0: in the enclosure <laughs> that i can I'm sorry it's okay
1: <laughs> i just swallowed my own spit that was terrible might have to edit that one out I'm just sitting here like an idiot <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, This is Ryan and I just want to thank you for spending your precious time uh, listening to yet another episode of Let's Talk Turtles. Uh, Tom has been an awesome co-host and I'm really excited to keep moving forward and see how this podcast grows. And you guys are a very big part of that. So just wanted to take a moment to say thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy this conversation that Tom and I have. I had a great time catching up, and uh, hopefully you will enjoy it and maybe learn something. And if we forgot something, make sure you tell us in the uh, Let's Talk Turtles podcast Facebook group. Here we go. All right, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Turtles. Today, Tom and I are here to talk to you about uh, keeping turtles outside, making their pens, and and kind of everything that's involved with that and uh it's a 50 degree day here in cincinnati so you know spring is right around the corner or this is fall spring and then we have second winter but tom how are you today man
0: 44 and sunny and it's like our fifth sunny day in a row so i'm good oh. here in, in the cleveland area
1: uh, you know i can't stand cold weather but as long as the sun is out i feel like i'll make it through
0: it it makes the difference you know we can go two three weeks without seeing the sun up here in cloudy northeast Ohio so when it's out uh I can see my daffodils starting to pop up I'm pretty happy and I'm starting to think about my tortoises and making sure I've got their enclosures ready
1: oh well we have a lot to talk about then today <laughs> uh how have you been
0: Pretty good. You know, I've been busy. And uh, just uh, right now, I am kind of pairing up the hinge backs, keep doing that. And so it's egg laying season. So checking my females every week, making sure they're palpated, checking the soil, making sure I didn't miss any eggs. So that's a busy, busy time and really helps if, if you're not missing eggs. Because, man, if I let those eggs go a month or six weeks usually they're not going to hatch so that's what i'm up to
1: oh that's fun i'm doing i got the same thing going on not quite to the connexus level of you um (laughs) but i also keep and breed uh, a few snakes so i've got a bunch of uh colubrid snakes in the garage so i don't have to do too much right now every and i've got pythons that are it gets cold at night so i'm not feeding them right now so it's actually the turtles are all most of my attention right now which is even better but that's fun. Um, I did nice. see a video recently made me think. Uh, that you posted, your live feeding of your, um, Bombina, the um, fire oh, yes. belly toads. Yeah. And I think it's hilarious. I love those things. They're uh, awesome. The funny thing is, well, I remember I'm we're roughly the same age, so I yeah. remember seeing them like for like three dollars at PetSmart, yeah. like growing up. But I've always loved them, and um, when I worked at the Bronx Zoo, we bred them. Funny thing is, back in December me and david kelly agreed i'm gonna get some as soon as the weather warmed up oh. and now the next week the weather's warming up so i have some fire belly toads coming in next week oh
0: nice See, he breeds them of your videos yeah yeah that's cool you know i have two i bought them in 2018 for six dollars uh, <laughs> and and i believe that was the last year they came in and you know, uh, what's really interesting, they have been studied. There's one person who has used them as a model organism and published a ton of papers about them. So if, if you go on Google Scholar, you, you'll find tons of stuff on Bombina orientalis. And there's also this incredible video on YouTube. It's a 45-minute documentary. It's all in Korean about the life of the fire-bellied toad. But if you turn on closed captioning, you can turn on the English closed captions and watch this documentary and you can learn all about them I mean they're they're they have them in all their different habitats it's really interesting they used to live up in the mountains in these cooler streams but they've adapted really well to the rice paddies and I mean there's just hundreds like thousands uh you'll see in this video so man they're cool animals but they're no longer imported because they have been accused of being the bringer of chytrid fungus to the United States yes that that so that's why they stopped being imported not because of conservation reasons or they're rare no the u.s said hey uh, we think fire-bellied toads are are Kitrid vectors they're in, it's endemic and they they've brought it here they're not affected by it so really really fascinating organism so that's cool that you're getting some
1: i'm super stoked and i'm gonna have to i have uh Two young kids, three dogs, and cat, yeah. and so I'm very much used to reading subtitles.
0: Awesome, yeah, <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. There you go.
1: That is yeah. my life on a lot of um, a lot of a lot of TV. They're
0: but... they're called they're translated into lady frogs. That's what they're called there for whatever reason. So, because <laughs> they're so uh, pretty. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh. it's it's a great video. We'll we'll have to put the link in the yes. show notes.
1: Please send me that link and make sure you check out that video Tom posted. They're eating soldier fly larva. Yeah, thank Um, you. Anyways, those guys lack shells, so we're going to switch gears. And today, with the incoming warm-ish weather, at least for us, and the sunshine, it's it's making me think about getting my turtles outside. So today we want to spend some time talking about uh, getting, you know, why it's important to get them outside, but also, you know, how do you go about setting up you know, a habitat space or an enclosure outside. And what do you have to think about when doing that? Um, Tom and I both keep animals outside, so it's something that we think about quite a bit. But um, yeah, Tom, um, the first question that I would have is like, who, right? There's a lot of different turtle and tortoise species. Who would go outside in your mind? Which species?
0: Ones that like the sun. And, um, you know, most turtles and tortoises do. Right but, but, if you don't, and I think that's what's important to remember. Uh, I do keep hingebacks, and I have two species of hingebacks, the home hingeback, which live in forests. They're crepuscular and they're active at nighttime. So they're not necessarily sun worshippers. Um, so that's a species I haven't put outside, but the western hingebacks, the bells hingebacks, they love it. They love it outside. I keep the bells out all summer long overnight so those are some of the considerations you got to understand the basic biology of your animal so that you're making sure you're building an enclosure that it's going to thrive in
1: uv just seems so much more that natural uv all all my tortoises and turtles have um artificial like t5 high output uv light and and basking and whatnot but you just can't replicate the natural sun and it's so important to get them out there um, if it's safe
0: yeah, and there's a variety
1: it, of reasons that we'll go through where it may not be safe and it what, doesn't always have to do with the sun.
0: And what I love about having my animals outside is that you just see their natural behaviors, right? you You can watch them crane their neck out and look around and explore and dig and smell the air, smell the ground, search for bugs, hide come out during the cooler times, go back in, you know, when it's really hot. For me, that is what I love about it. Just watching them. It's so calming and relaxing.
1: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. If you can set up a chair somewhere, if you have a spot where you can see them, just spend like 10 minutes, yeah. have a morning coffee yeah. on the nice summer mornings. Oh, yeah, can't wait for that. Yeah. Um, it, you just see you see them behaving so much differently and you, and you realize how, how important it is um i love setting it all up every when the plants start growing back because i've had mine in place for a few years i love seeing the plants start growing back in there last year i tried something new and i took a bunch of the leaves in my yard and put them in half just packed half of it each one full of it to see if how it would decompose and add Uh leaf litter and stuff um mainly because you know i see the things where it's like hey don't rake up your leaves. Like they'll break down. Well, I did that one year and they, they did not break down, Tom. Yeah, there were so many leaves they don't break down. that I just lost a lot of green space. Now I'm not a big grass guy, I have clover and all kinds of stuff in my yard, but it made a lot of muddy areas. So I don't leave that many leaves out there. So yeah. Now I put I try to I'm trying that this year. So I think the box turtles will really, really like
0: it. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I, I did something similar. I I we have this big red oak tree, and so I just we also have very clay soils right so i need some mm. organic uh soil so yeah i just stacked my new box turtle enclosure full of red oak leaves
1: perfect oak leaves are the best
0: they're they're great you know we we don't have live oak which are like worth their weight in gold right now if you've tried to buy them <laughs> uh oh, really if you have frogs like, it's very hard to buy them because so many people are building um, terrariums and stuff like that and use live oak leaves so it's very difficult to get those i used to use them but um so now i even used my oak leaves for my indoor enclosures i boil them or bake them in the oven but yeah outside you just dump them in
1: yeah that's what i do yep um so i think uh what's like one of the first things that you do like let's i, I saw you got your you have a great video by the way on uh building an ornate box turtle or a three-toed box turtle yeah yeah three Three toes um what's the first thing before you start building that you look for that you think about before even getting started
0: yeah i mean you gotta gotta think of the species and where you're gonna put that enclosure in your yard um i mean even before then i have a fenced in yard so i don't want any dogs getting my animals and that lets you you know have uh maybe an open top enclosure especially if you only have the animals out for the day. But yeah, you just have to site it properly, right? So for the box turtles, I put it under a really big oak tree that allows them to get some sun in the morning and the evening. And it shades them during the really, really hot part of the day, uh, trying to replicate their natural habitats of those floodplain forests out in Missouri, and Arkansas, Texas, and Louisiana. And um, just I I also I'm going to build a water feature so someplace where I can have a water feature, maybe uh, kind of close to my house uh, with uh, access to electricity that that's something else I consider.
1: Yeah, I do not have any electricity in my bins and I know that would uh, or my areas and I know that would be super helpful. Um, I'm kind of just like you in that way where where to put them I but I like a lot of I like a lot of um, early day early sun. So I like to put it in a place where and I think that can be applicable to most species you're gonna put out where they then would get a lot of midday to late day shade. That's where I like them to have my my thought process is you know this this will allow them to kind of like get moving and bask and get revved up in the morning, get their juices flowing and then the as then the day actually warms up, and they're good to go because i'm I'm always worried about overheating more than I am about getting too cold, yeah, um so I think we're we're then, yeah absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I've been reading some of Chris Leone's documents because I have this new little Greek tortoise that I haven't ever oh. I haven't advertised widely, but um you know he he talks about how, you know, you need to find a place for them in the full sun. That is what they like. You know, they they like it accessible and dry and hot. That doesn't mean you um they don't need shade but that shade is in the form of shrubs and grasses that they can hide under when that sun is out. So, you know, it was really interesting reading, like they just need hot and lots of sun because that's totally different from what I typically do with my hingebacks or my box turtles.
1: He might know a thing or two. Yeah, I think so. Keeping turtles and tortoises outside. I think so. <laughs> I think that's it's great information, but it all I think it also depends on you know how you want to keep them outside like uh yeah if you're going to keep them outside all day every day for four to six months out of the year then that's there's a lot more planning than um if you just want to bring them out on nice days over the weekend when you have your weekends off or something that makes sense
0: yeah that and that's a big difference too I pretty much I I don't keep my tortoises outside 24 7. I, I do have the bells backs which I did keep out twenty four seven last summer, but um, I am bringing them out on perfect weather days. You know, I have some very strict tolerances that I will avoid. Um, you know, high temperatures, low temperatures, and they've gotten used to that, right? So it took them a while, but they're used to that. So yeah, that's a good point. Are you going to build an enclosure to keep your animal outside? You know, twenty-four seven all summer or all year, or is this just uh, you know, a so-called play pen kind of uh uh habitat?
1: And both are good. Don't get me wrong. Anytime you can get yeah. your animal outside to get some UV, I think that's possible. That's uh that's yeah. something you should aim it's... for with turtles, especially. Um, and you mentioned something about getting ele- electric uh to your pen. And that, yeah. that brings another great point when spotting out. Find what meets the needs of that that tortoise and what meets your needs and then if you can get it as close to the house as possible, in my opinion, that is incredibly helpful. Yeah. Uh, it's easier to work on the tank. Your hoses are definitely gonna reach. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can run electric out there if you need to. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's also very important placement where it meets the animal's needs. But if you can get it as close to the house and the resources as possible, um, it definitely makes things easier.
0: It's nice to monitor your tortoises from inside your house. So
1: yeah, I, my, I can't do that but
0: yeah my 20 my 24/7 belliana enclosure where they're outside in the summer i, I they're right below my big window so i can just see how they're doing
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. And
1: one more point yeah. oh so, go ahead. Go ahead. Nope. No that's that's really awesome. I have to walk out there and see them which i don't mind but um it would i would look at them a lot more if i could just see them like, just from my deck even. Yeah. Um, Another important, very, very important thing to consider is that you have the approval of your significant other yeah. when deciding where to place that. Um, so I had to move one once, but uh, yeah, <laughs> just say, because I didn't think about it. I just started building like, yeah, it's going right here. And it's like, oh, well, I hadn't a plan for that. I was like, oh, well, that's my fault. I'm sorry. I didn't talk to you. But <laughs> <clears throat> highly important because it depending on how much available space you have in your yard, Um, they will take up a significant portion of it
0: yeah spousal approval factor is is key Um, (laughs) we want balance in our lives yeah Uh, we we want and we need balance in our lives right and we could probably do a whole episode on that but um you know i i've (laughs) i've been accused that the ttpg meanings are like Really should be called Turtle and Tortoise Hoarders Anonymous meeting. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, just, so absolutely. Um, and then I will add that we did not buy a house in Columbus. We were going to move in Columbus. We did not buy a house once I read all of the Homeowners Association restrictions. So, you got to make sure i mean this neighborhood where we're gonna buy house you had to have approval to construct anything in your yard Um, you like literally you could not put up a garden bed or put up a swing set or a kiddie pool in your yard unless you had permission from the board so just make sure that you're complying with your local homeowners association uh, check your home check before you buy a house check the bylaws and even the city regulations you know what know what you can and can't do
1: that is such an excellent point um I didn't I have always avoided HOAs a place of an HOA not that there's anything wrong with that for yeah. folks who live in one of yeah. those but um I just can't handle it like if like, someone wouldn't let me build a four by two or something in my backyard and an eight by four like tortoise pen yeah in my own backyard i have issue but it's different strokes for different folks so pick your poison there yep but that's such an excellent point because the last thing you want to do is put the time and energy into that um only to have somebody not be okay with it report you and then you're going to get fined or have to redo everything and just be angry and overall it's going to be worse for your
0: tortoises yeah Uh, consistency is important (laughs) That's what I have found. The the tortoises don't like change, right? So if you're going to build it, plan, spend a lot of time on the prep to make sure you're getting it right so that your tortoises will like it. Because if you do have to move it, they're not going to like it. It takes them time to get used to a new home.
1: Absolutely. Now, when building that home, Tom, you and I have built ours differently, both effective and adequate for our animals, but we went differently. Um, I like using boards and I probably went a little overkill I, <laughs> um, with how much I, I, how high I put the boards and, and the thickness of the boards. But I was like, man, if I build these, these should last like forever. Um, and yours yeah. will as well, though. Yours is a, is a fortress. <laughs> but, uh, I went with uh two by 10 inch, eight foot boards and I stacked them too high. So uh, they got, so think about that it's um w- one of my pens is eight feet long by four feet wide and each and they're yeah yeah two inch thick boards which is really an inch and a half because you know we love yeah that. yeah <laughs> uh and uh, so they're yeah they're when you said t- high
0: when you said too high i thought you meant like they were too high. Like, why'd you do that, right. Oh no, no.
1: no. Two and boards stacked, stacked two. on top of
0: each other. No, I get it. I get it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, my so bad. Two um, by
0: two by tens.
1: Two by tens. Yeah. Uh, Step lengthwise, right on top of each other. Yep. Um, and that, that's where I put um, well, that's where I put some box turtles. Yep. Um, uh, this next year, the box turtles are going to go to my eight by eight that I built, and then I'm going to try to put the uh, maybe the pancakes out in that in that eight by four. Cool. Um, I got lucky because as I was digging, I hit pavement. So I guess my driveway in the backyard oh, curled yeah. around and then used to have like a little pitch to like park your cars. Yeah, um, but it I was covered that. in grass and soil. And I was like, oh, well, that actually makes things a lot easier for me because I don't have to put a barrier on the bottom, okay. and I don't have to like wow. sink the boards and stack the substrate too high. They're not digging through blacktop, at least I don't think so. So that that's what I went with, but um you went a little different route with yeah yours.
0: so let me, let me ask you a couple questions what do you use for your posts
1: oh I use four by four posts cut down to the same height uh as a stag- as as, a, as the two boards together so it's a 20 inch yeah. high post that I screw yeah. in with deck nails
0: and then so you just have that sitting on the ground you don't have your posts yeah. buried
1: no, I was digging for
0: a post. Yeah, and then I just then hit, like, hit the, oh, okay. Like, I, I I don't need to rent a jackhammer. I right. would have.
1: <laughs> I would have buried the post if um, um, if that had happened.
0: The um, there there's a a great couple on YouTube. They have a channel called The Backyard Tortoise or something like that. Um, and I, their name escapes me. But they built enclosures like that at their new house. Their name is Bob and Susan. They moved to North Carolina. They built that style of enclosure, but it was they built it in a floodplain. It was a new house. They didn't know it was the floodplain. Well, the creek rose and literally moved this entire array of enclosures that were built like that. Um, Can you can you imagine if that happens? So so I think that's one of the big questions. Do you anchor your enclosure to the ground or not, and so the 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 system that I built with the landscape timber stacked on top of each other, Camp Kennan style. Um, he likes to build his tortoise houses out of big landscape timbers. Um, my those aren't anchored in the ground either, but it's it's just incredibly uh, massive and, and tons of wood. Um, and so yeah, what I did there is just use landscape timbers, they're pretty cheap. Um, Make sure you pick nice straight ones because some of them will be twisted or warped up to six inches. And literally you just stack them on top of each other, fasten them with screws as you go. And then I also use these like 10 inch long lag screws to kind of screw it all together and it's interlocking at the corner. So there are no posts. Um, that, That was a neat way to do it. Um, Before then I have just sunk four by four posts attached to two by 12s and screwed them in like you have. Um, This new way is a bit more aesthetic Um, and I'm also going to be building a lid on top of that structure. So my goal is to keep the box turtles in that enclosure uh, maybe year round, um, maybe, but at least like you know, mid-March through October. So I'm going to put a really good lid on that. So I needed a very solid base and just needed that thing to be heavy. And um, I think it looks pretty good, too. I I like that landscape timber look. So that's the way I went with uh, my enclosures that I built this past summer. I also built a four by four that same way for the Belliana. That had a a lid on top that I made out of uh, like two by one by twos basically um screwed it together put a plastic uh coating on the top of that so and attached it with hinges so yeah that's the way i i've gone and and a little different i'm 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 i want to have more animals outside more often
1: that is exactly where i'm thinking too i want more animals outside more often anecdotally something that i don't know if it was just coincidence or not but um I have a bunch of florida box turtles and they've bred well for me um, i've always had them outside three to four months and then the following year eggs three to four months following year, eggs well they kind of got into a rhythm and i was like i'm just going to keep them indoors this year and i kept them indoors all year they bred they did everything like they normally would except i didn't get a single fertile egg yes. i got maybe 18 eggs that year out of them all the clutches none of them were fertile and I know it's probably just coincidence, but now it's enough in my brain where I was like, I think they might need some of this UV in ways that I can't understand, or it was just an off year. But anyways, I think I just got caught up and like, well, they'll just, they're good here. They like it. I don't want to move them. And now I'm like, nope, never doing that again. They're going to go outside. They're going to enjoy the weather. They're going to get that natural UV. I, honestly, I, this, I don't really mind too much if they breed or not i really enjoy keeping them but it it just made me realize that i kind of got caught up in trying to maybe up my production and like well i don't need to do that but they're going back outside and we'll see that might be the only year they don't have fertile eggs but um i just found it very odd that that's the one year that they they did not yes zero
0: zero um
1: none none were fertile
0: (laughs) that's that's really weird um so my my family, uh, we moved about two hours Northeast from Columbus to the Akron area in May of 2021. And we knew we were gonna be doing that. So 2020 and 2021 were years that my tortoises weren't outside very much and specifically my Western Hingebacks. So I am really looking forward to 2023 making sure all perhaps seven of my Western hingebacks, get outside at least for a few hours each evening and then on the weekends. And and I think I will see a return to the production that that I had in the winter of 2019, 2020. Um, I get about half as many eggs as I did when they were spending a significant amount of time outside
1: interesting tom we're experiencing very similar yeah things hmm. yeah i wonder if anyone else if i mean comment in the facebook group if that is something that you guys have seen at home as well i'd be interested to know also i'll post um and tom if you don't mind post some of the pictures or a link to your video when you built that so that maybe people can get um uh, yep. some visuals of what we're talking about here yeah um so what kind I, I what kind of lumber do you use and i i know you land landscaping timbers sure Um, Do you find there's any issue with using treated lumber versus non-treated lumber?
0: I mean, I've always wondered about that. The treated lumber is much more um, friendly to the environment than it was 20 years ago. Um, Arsenic used to be one of the main ingredients. And I would most definitely avoid using railroad ties for your outdoor enclosures because those things are just famous for the horrible chemicals they're treated Treat with out, right? Yeah so um, personally, I have not seen any effects but you know the the dose and the response and the exposure time uh, we have no idea really I think you know some people say it's safe, but I, I just don't think we have any idea if pressure treated wood could can and does impact a tortoise. Um, you know over its lifetime, I don't know. Do I have any problems using it? No. I, I, I have no issues using pressure-treated wood and have for five years, and I've not seen any problems myself.
1: Same here. I use it. It's um, uh, I don't think the tortoises are eating it or that it's yeah. getting into the plants that they may or may not eat or anything like that or that the worms are ingesting any, if much of it. So I don't feel that bad. And then I, I looked it up. It's called MCA treated lumber It's what it is now. And it's micronized copper azole. Um, so that's why they have that tint of green, um, it's because of that copper in there. Um, but it's way beyond what it used to be. Like you said, it's, it's a lot different now. So I, I don't have any, any issues with it. And the reason I chose it is because I wanted it to last a long time. um, So in my, I mean, my oldest one is, I mean, I haven't had things out as, uh, for very long. Like, uh, like Chris Leone probably has like 85 year old outdoor enclosures somehow. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but I have one that's three years old and it, it's a, it's a little weathered, but it's still super strong. Um, and if anything, I need to replace the lid now, uh, as you mentioned,
0: yeah, two by two by two. 12 pressure treated lumber is really durable. Um, They sell specific pressure treated wood as ground contact or non ground contact. So you just want to make sure that you are using the ground contact pressure treated wood, because I, I don't know the difference if it has a higher concentration of that material, but there is a difference.
1: Yes. And that's a great point. That's, that's what I bought I treated ground contact. Well, because it was going to be in contact with the ground.
0: <laughs> yes. The
1: only big thing I could find is uh, I was looking it up. And most of what I found when looking up health issues with like the MCA stuff is um, for people's raised garden beds. Mm. Um, even there's no link yet to that with any human health issues, which I don't know, in another 25 years, I'm sure something will <laughs> pop up. But the biggest uh, thing that people complain about now is if you use treated lumber for your raised beds, you cannot claim any of your vegetables are organic anymore.
0: Oh, wow. That's fascinating.
1: So you cannot. That's the... Huh. So I, I, I'm not raising organic tortoises. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I use the, the NCA treated, treated lumber.
0: So the other option you have is cedar. Uh, cedar lumber is really pricey however you can buy cedar fence planks for pretty cheap like a single fence plank is like a, a, a five bucks or six bucks or at least they were at at your local store so i have considered working with cedar
1: do you find any difference using uh cedar versus kiln dried cedar because the cedar oils are known to be you know
0: yeah so <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> Speaking of Crystal Leone today, he has a video on this uh, cedar tortoise enclosure and, you know, it's like, oh, doesn't doesn't matter. Now, I don't know. But uh, in an outside situation, uh, that cedar is going to outgas like really quickly. And, you know, yeah, it, it will have a fragrance and aroma at first, which is that oil that you're smelling. It smells good to me. Yeah, I love that it's smell. great. I, mean, I, I love cedar. Um but I mean, I've had cedar fencing at my old house a lot, and it's it stops outgassing after you know basically a winter in Ohio, um, and so yeah, I don't have any. I would not. I would be less concerned about cedar than I am with the MCA, but I, I'm relatively unconcerned about either
1: and I think the good thing that we uh, mentioned about cedar is that it's incredibly both weather resistant and it's incredibly, uh, insect and pest resistant for the most part. Um, and that's why my fence, uh, gate is made out of cedar. Mm. Yep. Um, and it's very light. Yeah.
0: Eastern red cedar is what we get here in Ohio, maybe others available in other parts of the country, but, uh, yeah you well, can get that it's the it's the uh, it's the other option.
1: one thing I'm considering this year um just to cycle some animals outside if I don't have enough spaces built is i have you seen those concrete corners that oh you can I just use. stack the yeah the uh the boards into and i'll put yeah. a link i'll put a picture or a link on on the uh Facebook group as well but those you can make some pretty quick temporary yeah. holdings to get your animals outside for a day or so. And I'm considering setting up a small one of those for maybe some of my smaller, like, grow up tortoises to have a little outdoor time. Have you have any experience with those?
0: Yeah, yeah, I use them. I think they're a really good option. Uh, yes, it's, it's they're more temporary in nature. However, I built an enclosure last summer that uh, it was kind of a test to see if that system would work. And so I used two by 12s. And if you get two of those blocks, you know the blocks have a notch on each one of the sides of the square solid block that the two by 12 slots in and the block itself is only six inches tall, so if you get two of those blocks, you can stack them on top of each other slide that two by 12 in and make a fairly solid enclosure. Now, the one thing that those blocks also have is a hole drilled right through the center of the block, right? So I had never utilized that hole, but they're designed if you get a two foot rebar piece of steel, you can insert that rebar right through that hole and pound it into the ground to anchor that block. I did that and it it worked great. And so I think I'm going to use that for my western hinge back enclosures and then the last thing i'll do is just take a two by six to create a rail that will go all the way around the top of the two by 12 just to give it a little bit of a lip and then you can also cover the top of the block that way and give it a little bit more professional clean look so it doesn't look such like a temporary setup so that that's my plan actually that's what I'm going to use this summer for the western hitchback day enclosures oh. they're day spas
1: the day. <laughs> I love it I think I'm going to try some of those this year too and I think you transitioned you you mentioned a lid earlier but that lip is a good transition into containment yeah um, there's a lot of things to think about outside of just building the pen in the right spot with the right temperatures Um, You have a fenced in yard. I have a fenced in yard as well. So that's somewhat helpful. Um, But there's raccoons, there's possums, even bird of prey. Um, Things like that come around. Uh, I am just I build lids. I build lids out of basically what you said two by one inch little boards. And then I, excuse me, I hinge them on one side. Everything I have has two sides. So it's not a huge um, gate basically or lid. And I use chicken wire. As the as the barrier on there with little latches, they don't lock, but they just cover over. Like if a crafty raccoon was able to get both latches off a yeah off a lid, I guess he earned himself a, a tortoise. But um, I would love to. There's all kinds of different options out there. Like I know, and he's going to owe us some advertising. Um, Chris Leone, I watched one of his uh, uh, videos that he uses those. Some well, he's got dogs. Yeah, but always outside, but he also uses these ultrasonic um, like frequency emitters. Yeah, Uh, they're supposed to keep animals away and that might work. That's just not the sense of um, doesn't give me that sense of security as much. Yeah. Um, And then there's also um, hot wire, you know, electric fence. Yeah. I don't know. What should you use any of those or.
0: I don't. Where I have my tortoise enclosure uh, area. At the new house, I have this really cool outside shed that has electric. Oh, nice. So I have been toying around with the idea of electrifying the tortoise area. Um, But, you know, I have kids. You have kids. I don't think the spousal acceptance factor (laughs) is going to be high on creating a system where my kids could get zapped in the backyard. So I've avoided that. My strategy has been lids for animals that are out all the time and open air enclosures. And those animals are only outside if we're home. Gotcha. That's that's what I do. Um, So I, I will tell you, in all my years of keeping turtles and tortoises and watching forums and Facebook posts, the thing that is going to damage and and injure your tortoise the most is a dog. I mean, it it seems like a daily occurrence at this point that I see dogs. So if you, you have to dog proof your enclosure. So if you do not have a fence in your yard that neighbor dogs, you know, keeps out the neighbor dogs, you need to have a lid, like a hundred percent. Absolutely. I have the fence and that's why I can keep the open air enclosures Um, but I only do it when I'm home and I will add you mentioned birds in our old house we had it was a house built in the 60s so we had electrical lines in the back of the house and they were above ground so we had a telephone cable electric line running from the back of our house to a pole and that line went right over my tortoise enclosure There there were there was a red-shouldered hawk. And they eat crayfish and frogs, they're woodland hawks that would come. It learned that the tortoises were below, and it would come, land on that cable, look down at the tortoises, and just watch them. Like, can I eat those? Can I eat those? I I was blown away. I
1: first i got i'm going to i'm going to add on to that because uh first off excellent point because i have dogs as i mentioned earlier and that is also one of the reasons that i just failed to mention that lids were a must for me um not just neighbors dogs your own dogs yeah can't always be trusted cuz a, a yeah. turtle is a whole different Abs- thing
0: absolutely um,
1: but birds of prey came into my mind because i we also have chickens here i have mm. six lavender orpingtons beautiful birds um, really fun to play with but we only let them outside like supervised and i'm because and i tell you this because within five minutes of these birds being outside red tail hawk shows up or a red shoulder hawk shows up uh, wow! almost every like clockwork those they just see them and they're like that is an easy chicken meal and yep. they're robust birds these, mm-hmm. these this breed of chicken so um just seeing that i was like yeah you can take a bird but don't touch my tortoises yeah yeah (laughs) the one one thing i don't like about lids though is it doesn't let excuse me it does not let the vegetation grow very tall yeah so it kind of limits some of that growth that i think would be beneficial but um i think that's probably more an aesthetic that i wish was more possible i could probably build like a taller i've seen like some some tortoise pens with like Four foot tall screened yeah. in enclosures, but that's a lot more work to build. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not sure what it adds. Um, yeah, and do for you the need turtles the... themselves.
0: Yeah. Once, once you, yeah. So I, I'm all about, and I, because I was thinking about this this morning. I'm either like a short lid or eight foot tall lid, so I can be in the enclosure, enjoying it and and experiencing it. The I think the four foot lid is the worst because it's hard to work in that size, you know, if it's like four feet off the ground and then like you can't, it's hard to get in there if you need to get in there to clean, clean stuff. So for me, Mm -hmm. I'm all about a short enclosure with a kind of a open and closed lid and, you know, keep, keep, I like to see the tortoises not through screen. So I'll keep the lid open if I'm there just so I can observe
1: yeah and handy trick uh tip for those who build like the hinged lids is have a have your stick ready having an appropriate stick to just a prop you you open the lid and prop it open i've got mine that i've had for years now and incredibly i'm sure there's some modifications i can make to make it like nice and um you know streamlined but uh, a nice stick works well as long as the dog doesn't grab
0: it yep (laughs) yeah so so predators are huge and yeah, your dog, the neighbor's dog, probably the most likely overnight raccoons. We have possums. Raccoons are turtle eaters. Uh, bottom line, but you know, then you have to think about your tortoise escaping, and they do escape, and it just blows my mind that number one, people don't think tortoises can escape because whenever you see a my tortoise got out of its cage in the backyard post on Facebook, you have these people say, what, your tortoise escaped? How is that even possible? <laughs> well, they're crafty little creatures, right? Um, so, you have to make sure they're secure. They they can climb up corners. Um, if you have an open top enclosure, it's really good to have your corners capped with a triangle, like a triangular-shaped piece of wood. Have lips all around the enclosure. You know, make sure that your enclosure is, like, at least twice as tall as the tortoise is long. Um, it, it's real. Turtles and tortoises get out. And the last thing we want to do is contribute more animals as non-native invasives. Uh, oh, no doubt. You know, in Ohio, we don't really have to worry about that much. But down in Florida, <laughs> I see, I'm seeing all of these sulcatas and redfoots that people just find wandering natural areas. It's frightening.
1: I would be kind of excited don't let your yeah, uh, red I, foot out. I mean, but i would be kind of excited if yeah. i was on a trail and ran into a red foot in ohio yeah. like, hey like, um take it home but that, another great you can point. take That's, home yeah i like the, the lip that you mentioned earlier too so tortoises first off and turtles are just excellent climbers way more than you i mean you can google image snapping turtles climbing chain link fences they are exceptional box turtles are like uh, Pancake turtles are actually pan, tortoises yeah. are probably the best. They can chimney climb. um There's a whole article back like, from the '60s about them climbing. So the corner cap is a must, and like I think you mentioned earlier, a little lip over the perimeter, so that if a turtle a turtle that's what happens when I keep wanting to say turtles and tortoises.
0: Yeah, um, we should just when they climb, start using that word,
1: <laughs> turtle. I <Yeah>. will. <laughs> That'll be a, an LTT exclusive word. Yeah, trademarked. <laughs> um, so yeah, when the turtle climbs straight up, it'll hit that lip that overhanging lip and it won't be able to climb out is the uh, prevailing theory but yeah and uh it does work
0: (laughs) yeah it just gives you a little extra security
1: go over the top that would be my advice when doing this like yeah if you're like if you have to think about it like should i like do it do it yeah i think that's a a good idea um and we mentioned earlier um either have a tough substrate below it that they're not going to be able to dig through because most turtles and most turtles sorry are excellent diggers um so you either have to pile the substrate really high so that they dig They usually don't dig horribly low depending the socadas are the ones that probably are like the incredible hulk yeah busting through and crunching <laughs> out yeah um but you want to make sure they can't just go under can you imagine spending all that time building a nice lid and everything and then they just go Hloop. especially if you're living in an area with like sandy or soil
0: yeah yeah like, sandy, soil's loop, tough loop, are gonna have yeah. a hard time yeah we, we, we are lucky that we have clay soils. I've seen some people um, bury hardware cloth or like plastic fencing in the ground uh, along the edges of the interior of the entire enclosure oh, yeah. because, you know, then at least you'll catch it if it starts digging in the middle of the enclosure and it goes underneath that. Um, and then, you know, turtles. I think everything that we're talking about applies to turtles as well. You just build Absolutely. a pond in the middle of of these things that we were talking about, right? And uh, I mean turtles, aquatic turtles, box turtles, they they are just crazy climbers. Um, there there are incredible pictures of the Chinese big-head turtle. Like crawling up corners of houses like like literally spider-man turtle up up a wall in the corner just like blows my mind so that they, they can climb really well
1: definitely google that because they i take it back there are some great climbing turtles but the big head turtle is probably the best i've ever seen there's pictures of them like on a flat concrete like uh cinder block wall where they're six or seven feet off the ground on flat surfaces just gripping there they are insanely good at climbing yeah
0: yeah um they're they're from these just like rocky mountainside streams you just imagine them uh you know yosemite climbing in their little micro (laughs) habitats but um man i want those someday i want one with you i want one right
1: there i would make yeah We'll have to have an episode where we just yeah. go, um, you what know do what I want. want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, then we'll just keep uh, you know, encouraging each other. That would be cool. You should get that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, upstairs smacking yeah. the floor yeah. like, no, don't yeah. encourage them.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, I would think that um the the big-headed turtle is the ultimate test for any outside turtle or tortoise enclosures escape proof nest
1: um you mentioned something a dig barrier that that we use frequently at the zoo for a variety of animals is on the inside yeah. of your pen before you put uh any substrate in there is to attach it to the sides and then have enough so it goes down maybe a foot beyond like inside yeah and inside. then cover it with yep. substrate and that's yep. a that's a quick yep. dig barrier as well yep. um another uh construction uh option for you all that i forgot to mention earlier is cinder blocks i just as i said cinder blocks like oh yeah. yeah i've seen some very good um cinder block built enclosures uh for turtles and for turtles and they can be pretty inexpensive as well they're one of the few things that hasn't gone completely crazy in price but um yeah they a good top for that
0: yeah and all of these materials and methods they all have their trade-offs right exactly some, some look great and but they're expensive. Some look awful, but they're really cheap and really heavy, like cinder blocks. I'm not a big cinder block fan. However, a lot of people are, are using cinder blocks, especially for things like cottas and wh- they need a big enclosure. Cinder blocks can re- and a strong one, cinder blocks can be very, very good.
1: Absolutely. I just didn't want to forget that one. By the way, any of you guys who build one of these, you know, Tom and I are not liable for anything that happens to you or your animals. This is just what works for us and what we've seen and and heard. And we're passing it along to you to use as you may see fit.
0: Exactly. And and the one thing that I had to learn, I'm not a master carpenter. Uh, That is like the understatement of the century. (laughs) So... Having the right tools is really important. Um, If you buy a a miter saw, like, like you know, that you can cut angles and things like that, man, that saved me so much time over having just cutting with a circular saw, Um, you know, having a good drill, having a good impact wrench, knowing to buy a new driver bit every time that you like are going to. Make an enclosure. Like these are small things that will save your life. Um, Making sure things are square, having a a good speed square, um, you know, just knowing the right kinds of screws to use and the the proper length of screw, knowing when to pre drill uh, your holes. (laughs) I mean, all of these things are like things I've learned um, just by doing uh, enclosure builds.
1: Another great point, Tom. I can't tell you how many pieces of wood I've split where I should have just drilled a pilot hole. Yeah. Like, what is, oh. yeah.
0: Because
1: I am, I'm same as you. I am a, ma- a master carpenter would just be hilarious to call yeah. me. Yeah. Um, yeah. A novice might be stretching it. Yeah. But these are, these were pretty simple for me. And I looked up, I just use outdoor, anything rated for outdoor and deck screws. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing I learned too is, you mentioned it, is getting new bits. Oh my gosh. They just eat your bits.
0: Yeah. Um, They're cheap bits are
1: cheap they are cheap cheap. and and if you spend just like another couple dollars extra over like the kind that usually those screws come with because that thing Mm -hmm. lasts about like 10 screws and then yeah
0: yeah "Mm,"
1: like
0: yeah Yeah. get get the name brand yeah um i mean your life it will be so much easier i mean i went through i just strip so many screw heads before i learned oh it's just my bit is the problem and and
1: (laughs) (laughs) yelling at the screw screw yeah i'm like
0: (laughs) i went and bought a new drill (laughs) like it still sucks like what again it's just me what's the problem anything (laughs) uh and so i don't build a lot of things and i will mention another advertiser potential that could be uh, here, but Harbor Freight tools. I, yeah. I I like their stuff. It's not professional at all, but it's strong and has uh, given me <laughs> some specialized tools I didn't want to spend like 150 bucks on. I'll be able to get one, and you know, I build a couple tortoise enclosures a year. I'm not using it every day, but don't go cheap on your bits.
1: Plus, every time you go in there, you get something for free. Maybe yeah. it's a free flashlight, a keychain. Like you might get a free bit. I don't know. Like <laughs> every time. Uh, I'm a big fan. I went to that place more when I was in New England because there was one closer to me. Uh, now Lowe's and Home Depot are just too darn close. But like you said, price is a very good factor yeah. um, to consider. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I just thought of something else. Depending on where you live, one of the reasons uh, you might want to put a lid on it and potentially lock it is theft um yeah you don't you depending on who's around who knows what you're into um people aren't not everyone is very um not everyone is ignorant to worth of tor- t- tortles yep <laughs> so keep that in mind as well um so a couple of the details uh that i wanted to mention earlier is um i made it simple on myself because there was some existing vegetation in that space where I built my tortoise pen. So I kind of just built around it. <laughs> mm. Like I, I dug down to the ground on the, on the edges and just sunk them. And I was like, there you go. It's yeah. all grassy and green yeah. and just have a yeah. good time. Yeah. Um, uh, but if not, you know, there's all kinds of stuff you can put in there. Cheap soil. And I don't, I would grab, I'm, I'm going to throw grass seed in some of the areas that were yeah lower this year or something just to keep it green. Because I try to keep the mud to a minimum but um, is there any kind of plants or anything that you put in, in yours?
0: Yeah. So you know, I could, I could talk about, uh, I could talk about plants a lot, but the thing that my tortoise. So when I built my enclosure, there was a massive burr oak tree in a spot. So it had a few little bits of, of grass and weeds from our backyard because I didn't use any herbicides. So uh, I just sort of let things grow in. And with that was a lot of dandelion and common plant. And those are two really common yard weeds, at least in the Midwest. And uh, it was uncanny how the tortoises, my Western hingebacks from West Africa, looked at a dandelion plant and recognized it as a preferred food item and would walk around the enclosures and eat the dandelions. In particular, the the core of the plant where the stalk would attach to the rosette. I mean, they just loved dandelion stems. So, That was what they preferred. And then they would switch to the common plant. There was a lot of other stuff in there. There was red clover and and, and things like that. So um, the most common hated lawn weeds, uh, common plant, which is this really wide-leaved weed that grows where the soil is really compact and dandelion, were the two food items that my animals just love. So plant for food is my first piece of advice.
1: Let's things grow and don't treat your yard yeah heck yeah big proponent broadleaf plantain is all over my yard yeah which i'm yeah, sure other people see that, as that, like a what white man's foot yeah is what he used to yeah old, yeah that, that's what an we're invasive talking about. from england yeah yep um i love that you're supposed to be able to make a tea out of it and even drink it like people would oh, say. Yeah. but uh, i'm just gonna feed it to the tortoises
0: yeah. uh it's a astringent. You can use it for hemorrhoids, things like that. Yep. Oh, my. Yes. <laughs> my seventh grade teacher taught us that. That was one of his favorite things to teach us seventh grade. Students. But I really love seeing everyone's face. <laughs> so but, but um, what what I'm going to add this year is little blue stem grass. It's a native prairie grass in the Midwest. And there's a lot of this called fountain grass, which is a pretty commonly used grass that you can go to your store and, and buy but little blue stem is a native species it forms these little clumps dense tufts it's perfect for tortoises to go under it's really pretty it was the perennial plant of the year in 2022 so it's being uh, cultivated more often and so that's my recommended plant little blue stem
1: i'm definitely going to get some now i would much rather plant something that's native and in- obviously has the clout of plant of the year so yeah uh.
0: <laughs> yeah and, and you have to send me that and
1: I can put that in the show notes okay. as well
0: yeah the uh, it's it a certain cultivar right but the what's cool when the garden world will adopt a native plant or a cultivar of that native plant as the plant of the year I mean you're not going to have to water this plant it's a plant of the short grass prairie it's really drought tolerant it does like Sun um, if to, to to get it nice and big and full, you have to have a few hours of sunlight, but it, it's great.
1: Uh, don't tell me it doesn't need water. Weirdly, one of my Not favorite much. things to do is to get the hose out and just water the tortoises. I don't know yeah. why I enjoy it so much. Yeah. Because, I, you know, when you when you water them, you know they're coming out. It's like, hey, it's time oh, yeah. to get active and search stuff. So I love yeah. misting indoors or, or showering them down. Well, but I'll still do that. It'll be it'll, all right. Yeah.
0: Oh, it'll take water, but it doesn't need it it's not gonna like wilt like some plants might in the in the hot summer heat
1: all right i'm definitely gonna add some of those and if you got any other um options or if anyone else has any other suggestions please please let us know um i would much rather do that than get some grass seed um that you know generic grass seed um all right, so I think it's uh, when you have them outside, you've got your temperature guidelines, which is going to vary from species to species. Um, basically, if it's under 55 or 50 overnight in the summer, I'll usually go bring them in for the night and put them back out the next morning. But that's comfortability is different for everybody. Uh, but when you have more than one turtle, I like it, I'm going to keep using it Yeah. Uh, in, in a space. And this goes really for any enclosure. But outside, because it can be a little harsher at times than indoors, is to make sure that you, the resources you provide are many. Like uh, I tend to have more than one water uh, feature or one water bowl, more than one hide, more than one area. Just, you don't want a strong animal out competing some of the other animals uh, for resources. I usually offer feeding areas in more than one spot. So one doesn't monopolize it. Um, But I don't keep feed cards or anything. So by doing that, the main thing I do to monitor them, because I'm a little different, I will, the box turtles and stuff, I'll put them out there and they will be out there for months. Um, Overnight, everything. Um, I will get pretty much every two to four weeks, I'll go get a weight on them. That's how I monitor their health. Are they eating? Are they hydrated? Things like that. Uh, Might also clue me in on uh, if they're building eggs or not, besides palpating as well. But um, I think that's something that you probably uh, should consider when decking it out. You can't go too big, but, you know, when you have a big enclosure, even if there's, um, just two animals, um, I put four together. So that's why I offer so many different options for them. Uh, is that something, um, that you have found is necessary for any of your guys or?
0: So it's definitely a, a big concern I have. Um, I had three Bells Hingebacks outside all summer. Initially I, I built this enclosure and I thought it was going to, Uh, I was going to divide it and bottom line, it just got hard to do that and I put them together. And I wish I would have built an enclosure where I could keep them all separate. Um, I think one monopolized the food, even though I did have multiple feeding stations, just one did better than the others. And I can't say for certain. that they would have done better if they were separate. But boy, I wish I would have tried that. All the Western Hinchbacks have their own space and will have their own space. The males harass the females like crazy. They'll just chase them around all summer and bite off their toenails. So crazy, wow. the, the, the Western <laughs> Hinchbacks uh, stay together. If you get two males together, uh, they'll, they'll just they'll try to kill each other, even two females females flip each other over with the with the western back. So, oh, wow. sep- yeah. so those are all separate yeah so those are those are all separate um they don't like each other uh but the box turtles I, you know this is new this is new for me keeping a group together from what i've heard three toads get along pretty well but yes four five plates of food multiple hides um and and then sometimes multiple hides and multiple type habitat uh, within that enclosure. So I try to make it as, as diverse and put as many visual barriers in the enclosure that I can. Sorry, It's okay. I just
1: swallowed my own spit. That was terrible. Might have to edit that one out. Just sitting here like an idiot.
0: Oh my gosh. I was, I was so engaged. I couldn't reach mute
1: quick enough. I'm sorry.
0: No, you, you got it. Like I think most of it, was out but but yeah yeah the box turtles are going to be together and um they are going to you know i'm going to get experience having a group of turtles together um i typically keep animals separate it's just a lot easier for me to make sure they're healthy and eating so doing all of these things is important weighing them is great it's the only way you can know if an animal is Truly healthy or not, when it comes to turtles and tortoises,
1: <laughs> I a hundred percent agree. I like I keep feed cards for um, my crested geckos. I keep feed cards for my snakes. Um, turtles, I don't. Turtles and tortoises, I don't. But I get usually monthly weights, every six weeks weights, something around that. When they're indoors, outdoors, it's more frequent because I just want to make sure I'm on top of it. Try to catch something before it happens. Um, but I, I do keep all my box turtles together. I have four Florida box turtles. And one thing I noticed this year is like, okay, I've got two males, two females, that's the group. They've always gotten along, had no issues. Um, when I brought them indoors, I'm like, I'm gonna separate them. Cause I really want this male to breed with this female. So i I'll keep them together a little bit. Everything was fine. And then I just, I like the group. I miss the group dynamic. Mm-hmm. I liked keeping them, had no issues. I reintroduced them and the males fought so hard. Like I've yeah. never seen before it, it nothing bad happened. I kind of, I kept an eye on it. They sorted it out, but now they're back to being cool again. And I'm never going to separate them again. Cause I do enjoy keeping them in a the group, but yeah. that is, I think the one had to reestablish some dominance or, or something of the nature, but <clears throat> that is, uh, something I just recently learned that I'll pass along as you're working with your group of box turtles. That's something I always knew about like piranha, you know, <laughs> I have uh, you, you remove a piranha from the school. Like if one gets bitten, um, I put it in and this is um, you know, in, in human care in aquariums I've worked at where I've taken care of piranha. Uh I put one in a backup tank, let it heal up, get it all ready, you put it back in and it's just not gonna do well. <laughs> you take it, it doesn't matter almost how long you take it out, but like they just have a hard time reestablishing themselves. Immediately they seem to forget, like, oh, you're not one of the group anymore. So that I, I seems think- to apply with a lot of animals.
0: I think we have a lot to learn and uh, understand with turtles, as far as when, when it comes <laughs> to their behaviors and dynamics, right? I think we've just discounted a lot of that for too long. And so we have a lot to learn when it comes to that.
1: I'm looking forward to it, though.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. Um, I think we mentioned watching the weather. Uh, and I, I mentioned there are times where um, if it gets too cold, I'll snag them in. But another thing to to be ready for is a severe weather kind of in, incident, sure. um, a tornado or something. Not that you should put yourself in harm's way to go save them. Yeah, I do, but I'm not saying you should. But <clears throat> excuse me, like a heavy heavy thunderstorm, I don't worry hail. about. But if I see h- hail's a good, yeah, I I will go
0: uh, out if it. Yeah, I get I freaked out about hail
1: high winds because there's a lot of trees around yeah. um, things like that I, i'll go out there before and if it's not too bad and and bring them inside until it's passed yeah i so just wanted to bring that up yep all right and then of course when it's all said and done you know you've gotten into the to the routine pull up a chair
0: yeah there, there's nothing more relaxing
1: i'm designating a a, a turtle watching chair this year that I'm going to go out and it's just my camping chair and it's I'm just going to go out there when it's nice and sit down the kids can play around playing the swing set and I'm just going to sit amongst the turtles.
0: yep that's what I do it's it it is the most relaxing part of taking care of these animals for me it's just being out there on a summer day in the evening Mm. about 7 p.m just watching them cruise around take little bites of dandelion and just just (laughs) being themselves living life
1: it doesn't get much better I love it well I I think we've is there anything we haven't maybe I'm sure there's something we haven't covered but
0: it's been a great conversation
1: I think if you listen to this conversation you should feel pretty confident in putting something together for your turtles and maybe feel um, not so confident in my ability to breathe um, without swallowing my own spit (laughs) Just felt like such an old man. Like I was just sitting here. Like, what happened? It just stupid Ryan.
0: (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) It just it makes you appreciate what people do on live TV and how these people are like so perfect all the time. (laughs) You know, they don't sneeze. They don't. They don't like rub their face, (laughs) scratch their eye. No, no, they're just. Uh, the robots. At, and at work, we had we have a major show opening up, right? And so we have we've had some TV people in and out all last week. And you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, I can only imagine if I had to be on <laughs> all the time, where beamed out to millions of people. It would be hard. So you you get a pass.
1: All right. Thank you. Appreciate it i might just have to leave it in now yeah yeah like why would I take that out just oh listen to ryan almost kill himself
0: yeah yeah
1: oh well tom it's been an excellent conversation and to uh everybody listening thanks again for tuning in i don't know what our next conversation is going to be i've got a couple lined up so you'll just have to wait and see Um, But, you know, honestly, I've got the Facebook group and it's for things like this. If there's something you guys want to know about or have questions, ask them there. Maybe it's something Tom and I can discuss here for a little bit or um, give us some more show ideas. Always looking for the future. Awesome. All right, guys, don't forget to check the show notes for uh, how to follow Tom and I and for uh, some of the other links that Tom's going to send me. Including that youtube video on frogs because yep we spend a good chunk of time talking about frogs today as well as that native grass you can put in your outdoor enclosure things like that I'll do. all right thanks everybody see you next time